Let me clarify something. Not that I made a mistake. The missionaries better not go to Honduras this week because they're supposed to go to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> That's why they were like, is that us? Are we supposed to go up there? Guess we're going to Honduras now. That's next month. That's next month. <laughs> Well, my name is Andrew. If you're new here, let me just welcome you to Greater Life. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. I have an expectation. We like to say around here, I think one of Pastor Randy, our senior adult ministries pastor for greater years, we call it, that while you have breath in your body, you have purpose. And, and I believe that wholeheartedly. But, but let me offer another way to look at it because I don't know, but I'm pretty confident that there are people in the room today that have a loved one that they're hoping for. And can I just say, while they have breath in their body, God is still able to work the miraculous. Amen? So I would like to build, if I can, a great expectation within all of us with this message that introduces our sermon series, The Promise of Home. And I'd like to confess something that the Lord taught me today. For a number of years, I've been praying for a very specific thing to happen, what I call wheelchair miracles. That, that is explained by, you know, leaving of wheelchairs behind and people being miraculously healed. And that kind of is a request of mine because if you go out into our lobby area, we call it the great room, you'll see uh, these pictures up on the wall that are black and white. And our heritage here goes all the way back to 1930. And if you look close enough in those pictures, you'll notice in the rafters of of the auditorium that there are crutches and canes that are hanging there. And, and what those are are remnants of people that were healed and left behind that cane or that crutch or whatever they had to help them walk or to move. And so it has been my prayer that the power of God would show up in such an incredible way that we would also begin to have a collection of what we call evidence of healing. And as I was standing here in the earlier service and reminding God of my prayer, my assignment today is to teach in Joshua and in Joshua chapter 
one, we see God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous over and over again. And he says this, I will be with you as I was with Moses. And the scripture says, no one would be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Uh, let me remind you that the words, I will not fail you or abandon you, are also the words of Jesus to the disciples and to us that we will not be forsaken. Amen? And let me also remind you that the word of God is Jesus. <laughs> it, 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 sometimes it, it boggles the mind to read scripture and to say that, that's Jesus talking because Jesus is the word. You with me? That's theologically correct. The word is alive and it's true. And, and as the word goes forth to Joshua, I will be with you as I was with Moses. And then I consider Joshua and I consider all that he was going to experience as the leader of this new nation. And then I think about how God parted the Red Sea, but he didn't part a sea for Joshua. However, he did dry up a riverbed so they could cross over. And I think about the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke that happened for Moses out in the wilderness. And he never experienced those pillars in the promised land. And I think of the miracles and the manifestations and all the things that God did for Moses. And the same God says, I'm with you. And God reminded me, I'm the same God, but you may experience a different manifestation. It's the same power, yet there might be different miracles. It's the same spirit, yet as declared by Jesus, it will take us to greater things. And so as I'm praying for wheelchair miracles, the Holy Spirit reminded me, and I don't want to say rebuked because that sounds, I don't want to think I just got rebuked when I was getting ready to go up and preach a, a minute ago. But maybe it was. Because I think of the problems that we find, and the wheelchair miracles are amazing, but I read a book on healing one time, and it said that every miracle needs another miracle. Because at some point, the scripture says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So God may heal my body, but then a few years later, I need healing again. Are you with me? You see, our problem today is not necessarily crippled bodies, but it's crippled minds. And so if I was to pray for God to do something miraculous in the physical realm, and I were to get excited about that, miracle, then how much more so should I celebrate when a crippled mind is made whole, when a broken heart is healed, when someone is not just changed in the temporary and in the physical, but they're changed for eternity because we serve a God who can do that kind of thing. And so my prayer now is, God, not for wheelchair miracles per se, but miracles that last into eternity in Jesus' name. That's my hope, my prayer. I'm desperate to see it become a reality in my lifetime. I know it's selfish, but I'm praying for it. The promise of home, 
sets this standard. We begin to look at this incredible promise of blessing where they begin to occupy the land. It's a promise made to Adam and to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, and now to Joshua. The difference is that none of those just listed saw it happen. But now Joshua was standing on the very edge of it becoming a reality. Up to this point, the people have been nomads, wanderers, people without a land, homeless, a homeless nation, slaves to others. But now they are to become blessed beyond measure, more powerful than it makes sense. They're to begin to resemble the prophetic words spoken of the favor of God, the power of God, the provision of God over them. Now, I don't know about you, but it is my desire that when I go on to be with Jesus, that I would be like Moses. And what I mean by that is Moses in Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 34, we read about Moses' death. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyesight was clear. (laughs) I keep telling myself I don't need these, but if y'all see me up here going, it's not because I can't read. It's just because I'm stubborn. So here we go. Yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as, strong as ever. How many of you guys would love that scenario? That Well, not 120 years old, you know, because I'm kind of tired now. But anyway... (laughs) to be as strong as ever, eyesight clear, healthy, and and God says your assignment is up, now come home. Amen? Joshua now has been handed the reins. And in Joshua 1 chapter 8, we see what it's going to take to walk in the promise of home. Church, this is a reminder for all of us. The promise of home is the idea of occupying all that God has ordained and destined for you to occupy and to live in. It goes way beyond financial blessing. It goes into your blessing in your home and your family and your workplace in your life. Joshua 1.8 sets the stage. What does it take for us? What should we be considering As we look at the promise of home, verse 8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. The original language says it this way, Only then will your way be prosperous, and then you will have success. It is a conditional thing prosperous, then you will have success. These are three things for us to remember. First of all, study the Word of God continually. My goodness. Understand what it says. Secondly, as it looks at meditate. Thirdly, do what it says. The action is now carried out. Unfortunately, the issue for some of us is is that we omit one of these steps. We study sporadically the Word of God or not at all. Can I just tell you that God bless you if you're listening to preachers and podcasts, but there is no substitute, hear me, 
There is no substitute for the Holy Spirit teaching you directly. It is an amazing thing. We omit one of these steps. We study sporadically or not at all. And what I want you to notice is that these three things, these steps are waterfall in nature. In order to get to the third where you do what it says and you obey, you must first do the first two. In order to understand what it says, you've got to study the Word of God continually, continually in your life. It's a waterfall in nature, and the promise of home to Joshua is study the Word, meditate on it, know what it says, and obey it, and then, and then, prosperity and success will come your way. Can I just tell you that that translates to us a very different thing than it translated to Joshua 3,500 years ago. You see, they were slaves in Egypt. They were wandering in the wilderness, and success to them was a promise of home, stability, seeing God give them stability in their homes and in their families and safety and peace. When we hear success, we think of the latest sports car that just came out. Can I tell you, those are temporal things. And with gas prices... And insurance, why do you want it? God wants to bless you. That is not a prosperity gospel. That is a gospel that says when you walk in obedience, the Lord becomes your defender. Amen? I have not seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. I want to preach today to a reset in all of our devotional lives. I want to declare again that the words of Joshua to be strong and courageous because God is with him are words that apply to all of us today. God is calling upon us to be strong and courageous. We may not need to take down armies and, and conquer cities. Ours is a spiritual fight. Today, the cities of Israel are, that, are, that were occupied in these stories are reduced to archaeology and ruin for the most part. Yet our fight today is spiritual. It will shape eternity for many. I am desperate to see victory. I'm desperate to see radical change in people's lives. I'm desperate to see deliverance and to see demons run when they encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to acknowledge that over the past few weeks, I've had a feeling, a sense of despair. As I look at our nation and as I read the headlines and I consider the, let me say this delicately, toilet that our nation is becoming. I, 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 I'm reminded of this. Here's the picture. When I was little, I remember going and swimming in the pool. And I didn't have my water wings on. And you get to that point where the pool progressively gets deeper. And this is what the, the picture that the Lord showed me in my mind. And, and you get to the part where it progressively gets deeper and you're big stuff. So you're walking deeper and then the water's coming up. And then the water's coming up. And you get to the point that you're standing there in the water and it's right here. And you're like this and uh-oh, you're still going deeper and your toes aren't touching, 
and life is almost going to be over. Right? And you feel like, oh my goodness, I could drown at any time. And one of two things happen. Either a lifeguard notices and they blow the whistle and jump in there and you're in trouble and you have to sit by the rest of the pool the rest of the time the kids are having a good time. Or your father sees you. Y'all don't even know what I'm trying to say. I feel like I'm drowning. I'm in despair because the status of our world. My father sees me. (laughs) And I am not afraid. Because when I am in the water, I'll not be overcome. And God reminded me that nobody has knocked him off the throne. That he's not reading the headlines and feeling like he's got to tread water. You see, we serve a God who splits the sea. And when he gets... And I'm reminded today that as bad as it may seem to this preacher, God is still in control. And he is still powerful enough. And he is not shocked. And he is not worried. And he is not concerned. And his plan will take place in my lifetime. And I'm going to trust him with it. And every day, last night I'm on my porch praying for you. And a smile comes across my face when I think of some of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here was my prayer. This was, the, the Lord just kind of loved on me last night. As I said, Lord, thank you that there are people going to wake up tomorrow, they're talking tonight about what they're going to wear and what time they want to leave and what service they want to go to. And, and, and they're waking up tomorrow and their kids are excited to go to kids ministry. And, and, and they're thinking, hey, we're going to go visit that church or we're going to go to that church. And, and they're anticipating something really, really refreshing. And I sat there and I thought, thank you, God, for covering me and greater life that no matter how stupid or mistake-ridden we are as people, you're going to still do something great on Sunday. Amen? Thank you. Hallelujah. So I'm thankful today that God is in control. Today we have a story of a lady named Rahab. I haven't prayed over the message yet. Let me, let me say a prayer. Lord, thank you for today. As we look into your word and into this story, help us to learn lessons that we can apply to our own lives. Lord, we're not putting ourselves in the story, but God, you can use this story to teach us incredible things. 
So help us, Lord, to apply it, to use it, to meditate on it, and to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Scarlet Thread is the sermon title. The Scarlet Thread is a reference to the sign that would save the life of our key character in our story today. It's a sign that points to the cross. We're going to have communion or come to the Lord's table at the end today, and I encourage you to be prepared for that. But like the blood on the doorposts of the Israelites, it's a symbol, it's a marker that protects the whole household for salvation. The scarlet thread weaves us through the incredible progression of this woman named Rahab who was known for something shameful yet celebrated in Scripture as a great woman of faith. Let's consider the power of the cross today as we look at her life and how, too, we can have great hope that God can miraculously redeem our past and change our lives for His glory. Amen? Number one, if you're taking notes. Just kidding. It hurts my feelings when you don't take notes. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no. Anyway, Rahab the prostitute. I know that's a, that's a profound point. Rahab the prostitute. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says this, Then Joshua secretly sent two spies from the Israelite camp at Cassia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Okay. Someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come to spy out the whole land. Rahab, the prostitute. First of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that even the scriptures says it that way. She was known for what she had done. Some of us have even been in that category in our own lives. That when people remember us or refer to us, we are known for what we have done or mistakes we have made, no longer who we are. Rahab, the prostitute, is referred to as the prostitute here because she was known for what she had done. Let's acknowledge something. Prostitution has been called the oldest profession in all humanity in in the world. It's true. Sexual sin has been a reality all the way back to Genesis in Scripture as we find typical prostitutes a practice. However, we know that there is no grip of sin that is too strong to keep us from the power of the cross of Christ. She was known for what she had done. She was also known by the king. We read in verse 2 that someone ratted out the spies and that Rahab, uh, and Rahab. This brings in another layer of information that's important for us. Rahab was either running a brothel or an inn run by a prostitute. I'll allow you to make your own conclusions, but let me help you for just a moment. Many preachers try to preach away this idea and say Rahab was just running an inn or a hotel. Well, listen, friends, if she's running a hotel, it's the kind you pay by the hour in the rough part of town. Are you with me? 
Can we just call it what it is? We don't need to explain it away. Rahab was lost. She wasn't following the Lord. She wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't following the laws of God. As a matter of fact, neither were the spies. <laughs> Come on, this is, too, this is too rough for some of y'all. Listen, the spies went to spy out the land and ended up at the home of a prostitute. Joshua, hey, listen, guys, I need y'all to go check out the land, check the strongholds, the gates, all of this kind of thing. How are we going to get into the city? Do some research for me. And so as they're going on, they come by the house of a prostitute. Oh, hey, this looks like a good spot to frequent. You see, preachers try to preach away the fact that they went to a brothel. To an inn run by a prostitute. I, I, I just want to be honest with you. If the spies went to a home of a prostitute, what do you think they were doing? You see, if anything, I'm not trying to throw shade on these people. I'm trying to give glory to God that accomplishes his plans even in the midst of stupidity and mistakes. Come on, somebody. And sometimes we feel like we accepted the wrong job. We should have took this job or we took the wrong turn. We should have took that turn. And God's too weak to intervene on your behalf. <laughs> Can I just remind you, God knew you was going to do that. I'm thankful for a God who builds in margin for my mistakes. Well, we should just make more mistakes. No, don't be stupid. Paul says, well, if, if, if grace will forgive us our sins, then should we sin all the more? No! But at the end of the day, the spies go to research the land, and they go to the home of a prostitute. They're in the home of the prostitute, and obviously there's a brothel or it's an inn run by a prostitute, and, and we have other people that were there. And they go and tell the king about Rahab sheltering these spies. Some people would say that they might have been there for anonymity or the location. I mean, if you want to say that makes you feel better, okay. But I know why they were there. And I know that God's will, God's plan was still going to happen. I want to recognize how good God is at accomplishing his plan no matter what. Amen? You see, Rahab, known as a prostitute, well, about, we're about to move quickly into another thing that she is known as, at least in our story. I played golf with uh, somebody a couple weeks ago, and as I was out there playing, uh, I wasn't having a good day. Um, people ask what my handicap is, and I tell them lost 10 balls and 10 mulligans, but I'm okay. For those golfers in the room, it's not good. Anyway, I found a ball out there on the golf course. Check this out. It's one of the balls that flies straight no matter how you hit it. It's a trick ball. I found it. I put it in my pocket, and I said, oh, yeah. I didn't tell my buddy that I was playing with. I said, oh, yeah, next time I hit, it's going to go straight. So I get up there, I put the ball back, and I really needed this cheat ball, man. I'm telling you, I needed it. And so I get up there, and I hit it, and it went straight into the woods. 
And I realized it was because I was pointing that way. So here's the thing. Rahab made a change. It don't matter if you have a cheat ball or not. Wherever you're pointing is where you're going to end up. And friends, we cannot be mad at God when we end up in bad situations and we end up in struggle and we end up in, in, in consequences of our sins and we go, God, how could you let this happen? He goes, I didn't let it. You did it. I told you the whole time, don't do it, don't do it. You did it. Consequences, amen? Rahab was making a shift. She was making a change. She was moving over to the Lord's side. In Joshua chapter 2, now she is already known as something else. Rahab the protector. Joshua chapter 2. Beginning of verse 4. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you're in a hurry, you can probably catch them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking. Verse 8, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof and talked to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sihon and Og and the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan. Verse 11, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God, this is Rahab speaking, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. Rahab, the protector, not just for her own life, her father, her mother, her brothers, her sisters, she was engaged in turning her life towards the one true God. And in doing so, she had an expectation, not only that her life would be saved, but that the lives of her entire family would now be saved and protected. This is one of the reasons why the scriptures later call her such a great woman of faith. She believed before she experienced God's protection. We see Rahab lying to protect the spies. There is no debate on whether or not lying is a sin in Scripture. That's not what we're talking about here. There's no debate on prostitution uh, or fornication being a sin. Yet Rahab was beginning her journey of faith. She had no understanding of Scripture. She simply was living in the atmosphere and in the life that she knew. In her mind, she was being shrewd. She was being wise to become on the side of the Lord. Can I just tell you, church, we've got to stop judging people outside of the church the way that we judge one another inside of the church. Now, there are times where people know the truth, and we know they know the truth because they used to walk in the truth. Those people are responsible for what they know. However, we cannot be so angry at the one who has never heard the gospel. Yeah. 
You with me? Rahab was simply being what she considered wise or shrewd. She was the right person for the job. God was using a lying prostitute. Let that sink in for just a minute. And yet, we doubt that God can turn our lives around and use us for his glory. You see, God had coordinated, even though we feel that maybe the spies shouldn't have ended up there, God had coordinated them being there. God in his sovereignty knew that they were going to go and to be there. And in his grace and in his plan and in his power, Rahab was going to be used. I, I think of Rahab's skill of deception to accomplish this plan. I think of the Egyptian midwives that told Pharaoh, Listen, Pharaoh, uh, we, can't, we can't kill them because by the time we get there, they're already born and walking around. These women are too, you know, they're, 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 they're giving birth too quickly. We can't even get there. See, God used the midwife's deception of Pharaoh to make a safe environment so Moses could be born. Are you with me? We see in 1 Kings 22 that God sends a lying spirit to a prophet that leads an evil king into defeat. Let me just, let me simplify it. The very people, the very talking heads you see lying on TV, the very ones that break your heart when they do the wrong thing or, or, or try to bring the wrong thing into the society or they walk away from the moral guidelines that we feel like we should have as a nation, the very people that are doing these things and, and, and making these decisions, did you know that God is big enough to even use that to bring revival in the land? Because if the rocks can cry out, then he can use anybody to bring about his purpose. Amen? When do you need revival? You need revival when people look around and say, there's no other answer but Jesus. Things are bad, so we better turn our eyes on Jesus. Church, are you ready to say, God, allow things to get to where people actually say, wow, there's only way to look but up. Are you ready for that? It's a little scary. But according to what I understand in Scripture, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You see, she had this faith because she had heard about the Israelites. In verse 9 through 11, she talks about the victories the Israelites had. The power of God. She ran to the God of the Israelites, of the Hebrews. She's listed later in Scripture as a great woman of faith because of her skill and prowess. God was able to use her to protect these spies and eventually her whole family. She began to walk a path of redemption and learn the ways of the Lord. Rahab, the protector. Thirdly and finally, Rahab, the protected. Back to our story in Joshua 2. Beginning in verse 14. The spies responded, We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. 
If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape the hill country, she said, and stay there for three days. She tells them how to escape. In verse 17, before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by this oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be inside the house. I want to pause there and say, the protection of God is guaranteed or is given, is promised for the one who is walking with the Lord in obedience. You see, the protection to Rahab was for the people in the house. If the family members were out in the rest of Jericho, then they would be killed when the Israelites came. So many, so many times we walk away. Picture this. This is, this is the protection of God. This is the house. And, and, and this applies to us today that when I stand in the will of the Lord and I'm following him, then I have the protection of God. But I walk over here and I get involved in things I shouldn't be involved in. And I stand over here and I yell at God, how come you're not protecting me? He said, because you left the house. I can't tell you how many people leave the church or don't show up to church or, or walk away from the Lord and they don't study the scriptures and they get mad at God for not protecting them, blessing them, caring about them anymore. It was never God who turned his back. It was never God who walked away. It was us. And so the promise to Rahab is as long as you listen, as long as you follow these instructions, as long as they're in the house, they'll be protected, they'll be saved. You see, Rahab had made her choice. The time was coming where the city would fall and she would be saved. There's so much going on here. We can even talk about discipleship and sanctification. But simply put, she was trusting in the people of God, the spies, that led her to then trusting in the God that brought her salvation. Guys, we are ambassadors of Christ. And how many times are we letting down that responsibility? And our representatives as Christ's ambassadors, and we're walking around with our head down and depressed and nothing's going our way and we're mad at God and we're doubting our faith and we're not convinced that the Lord's got his will is accomplished in our lives and we're worried about who's going to be president when we should be worried about who's going to be in eternity. Presidents come and go just like kings do. And guess what? Some are good and some are bad, just like the kings in the, in the Old Testament. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen? We can live for the Lord in any climate. Americans have become so used to being patted on the back. I'm going to tell you, in other nations, you don't get patted on the back for living right and following the Lord. You get stabbed in the back and you get hung from a tree. You with me? 
I'm I'm sorry, but this preacher is pretty passionate today. I, I, I missed a couple of Sundays of preaching. Many scholars believe that one of the spies, to bring it full circle, one of the spies was a man named Salmon. Now, we don't know this for sure, but it certainly makes a lot of sense. Why? Because Rahab married a man named Salmon. Some of you guys are saying it's pronounced Salmon or Salmon. It's a Hebrew name. I can say it however I want. You'll never know. I don't know. How do you say it, Mary Matt? <laughs> Salmon? <laughs> I don't know. At the end of the day, she married this man and is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The lying prostitute of Jericho. Come on. I need my musicians to come. Because as we go to the Lord's table and we receive communion together, I want it to be a reminder today of the power of the cross. You see, the power of the cross is that Jesus died once for all. From the beginning of humanity to the end. The cross casts a shadow over a lady's house named Rahab, a prostitute. The cross casts a shadow all the way back 3,500 years before it ever happened and beyond. The cross that Christ died upon is, is a forward leaning debt that was paid toward me and you and every sin that we have ever committed and ever will commit. The cross has the power to wash us white as snow. Rahab was known as a prostitute. But at the end of the day, friends, one lesson that we can learn is that in our story, she became responsible from that point forward. So many of us are caught up on what we did yesterday. I want to remind you that what you do today, Scripture says, today is the day of salvation. What you do today changes your tomorrow for the glory of God. Amen? So here's the deal. If you don't have your elements, would you raise your hand quickly? The ushers will bring you. We've got one here, one back there, several over here in this section. Just keep your hand up as they serve you. giving you the elements, let me mention to you that at Greater Life Church, we come to the Lord's table together. We call it open communion. And what that means is you don't have to be a member at Greater Life. You can be a first-time guest, and that's okay. But, but according to Scripture, you do need to be a believer on the Lord Jesus. Paul talks about taking these elements and taking judgment upon ourselves. And so, while we're, we're not worried about membership here, we are worried about relationship with Jesus. Because I don't ever want to be held into account for allowing you to receive these elements and not yet have a relationship with Jesus. So if you're not in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, then I would ask you just to have a moment of prayer, consideration as we, as a church goes into this time of communion. Here's the deal. We need to take a moment and pause and pray because all of us need to search our hearts. 
just take a moment. Confess your sins before the Lord right now. Before we come to the table and take communion. Take a moment. of who God really is and was brought her to a righteous life that was in front of her. We think of Paul, the apostle, who was a blasphemer as he did not know the truth, persecuted those who followed Christ until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You see, I believe that Paul really believed he was doing what was right. And then when he had a revelation that what he was doing was not right under what God had called him to, he changed. The problem is so many of us learn, are convicted, are drawn in. We realize I shouldn't be doing that, be saying that, be watching that. yet we go back to it again and again and again. The promise of home is simple. Come out of that place. <laughs> come, come out of that place of wilderness. Come out of that place of sin. Come out of that place of heartache. Walk into the home that only God can give you. The place of forgiveness, of hope, of healing. Jesus sat with his disciples and he took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Isaiah talks about Jesus' stripes and how they bring us healing. I like to say it this way. He took a beating for our healing. But as I believe from the earlier times, I want to concentrate. I think the Lord wants to heal some minds today. We have learned that pandemics are a real thing now. In our generation, we experienced it. There's a pandemic of sickness within the mind that touches so many. And when you come in contact with them, they may look like they're just as normal and as happy as they could be. But in the corridors and in the secret places of their life, anxiety they cannot shake a depression that they cannot shake I have a God that can heal you <laughs> you see here's the thing Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane 
was so anxious and so stressed and so concerned about the cross. He never went into sin. Make no mistake. He never sinned. But his mind was so heavy. His heart was so weighted down that he sweat blood. And we don't think he knows what it's like to worry, to be betrayed. Take that bread and if you're here today pray a prayer of faith with me of healing for your mind you see praying this prayer of faith praying this prayer of faith is a step in humility saying I know I need Jesus to do it because I can't do it so bow your heads with me say, if, you, if, you, if you want the Lord to touch you in this way then just repeat this after me dear Jesus my mind is a wreck I struggle I admit it Come on, if you want God to touch you right now, then you need to pray a prayer out loud in humility and ask him to work in your life. Come on, I'm going to try again. Dear Jesus, I know my mind is broken and I struggle and I need healing. You are the Prince of Peace. You give joy unspeakable. And I come to you now you to heal me. Heal my mind. Give me joy. Give me peace. All of my worries, may they fade away in the shadow of the cross. Take the bread. Lord, I thank you now for the healing that is happening in this room. even now in, in our mind, in our nervous system, the physical is lining up with the spiritual and God, you're doing something amazing. That even now, the burden that we carried in is melting away. Even now, God, you're healing. You're healing. I know you're healing. Come on, receive it. Thank him for it. there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ and so what I think God wants to do now what I think the Holy Spirit is doing now is speaking to me now is that there are some in here that they don't have any doubt that they've been forgiven your problem is you can't get to a place where you walk like you're forgiven identity is still attached to your mistake let me 
just remind you that Jesus brought complete forgiveness and wholeness and restoration to Peter who turned his back on him. showed me something years ago that when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and, and said, what must I do to be saved? And, and he had this conversation with them about the commandments and obedience. The rich young ruler said, yeah, I did all that. He said, sell all your stuff. Give it to the poor. The Bible tells us that he walked away sad because he had a lot. you to see is we don't see Jesus running after him. This is important. The invitation is to come. All who are weary, I will give you rest. The invitation is I am the gate. I am the door. Whosoever would come to me will find eternal life. The invitation is always come to me. And yet we think, we think that Jesus should be chasing us as we rebel and walk away from him again and again and again. He loves you. The father and the prodigal son didn't chase down the prodigal son. The prodigal came home. Church, stop waiting on him to chase you down and respond to the invitation that is there. for my burden is light. Come and find healing and forgiveness and wholeness. Yea, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. So Lord, now I, I pray as we go into receiving this small cup that represents the blood said to your disciples, this is my blood that was poured out, shed for you. We, we acknowledge that the power of the blood is for all of us here today. There is no limited atonement. <laughs> you can forgive every sin. Lord, I, I, I want to speak to the one who continues to carry the guilt as we take this today, as we receive this today, may you give us just a glimpse of your face. <laughs> may we experience your embrace in the spirit realm. May we just experience the love, the light that chases away the darkness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your
I'd like to close and give you an invitation that if you if you'd like to pray with someone or our team is ready they'll be available here across the front at the end of our time if you'd like to come and pray but hey church listen <laughs> let's have fun watching Jesus win again and again and again through us <laughs> can we I mean, can we walk out of here with an expectation that victory is at hand? I'm preaching next week a title called The First Victory. I wish I could have preached both today. As a matter of fact, go ahead and turn your Bibles to not just <laughs> I can't wait to preach this message. It's going to be awesome. But I want you to walk this week like the walls are beginning to buckle. And you are going to walk in victorious to all that God has given you. The promise of home is real for you today. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise? God bless you. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're going to work this week, our Greater Grounds is opening up curbside starting tomorrow morning. So if you want to come by and get a curbside coffee, come on by again. Greater Grounds is uh, coffee with a purpose, with a mission. Anything that we bring in, we put it into missions and uh, outreach. So God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for being here.